welcome to a special edition of Elixir Wizards. This episode, we're featuring a new segment we've been trying out called Pattern Matching with Todd. You may have heard one of these at the end of a normal season four episode. We wanted to try sharing them as standalone mini episodes as well, which is what you're hearing today. Pattern Matching is a short format interview where our friend Todd Resedek asks each guest the same five questions. We hope this segment helps you get to know members of the Elixir community a little bit better. Let us know how you like it, whether you prefer it at the end of a normal episode or as a standalone mini episode. Please enjoy this episode of Elixir Wizards Pattern Matching with Todd. Welcome to another installment of Pattern Matching with Todd, where I ask your favorite members of the Elixir community the same five questions in order to get to know them better. My guest today is taking time off from her work at Duffel. Welcome, Johanna Larson. Thank you. Hi. Nice Hi. to be here. All right. Great to have you. So let's jump into the first question. So, Johanna, where were you born? I was born in Malmo in Sweden. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's the end of that answer. Okay. So for those not familiar, Malmo, I believe, is in southern Sweden and is like what, like a five-minute drive to uh, Copenhagen? Yeah, so yeah, definitely. It's in the south of Sweden. Sweden is a very tall country, so it's a long way to go from the north to the south. And Mama is right on the coastline. It's, it's about 15 minutes by train, across the bridge and get to Copenhagen. Okay, cool. So that give us some sense of geography of that. And like, have you, you are living there now, I assume, and have you like lived anywhere else? So yeah, that is kind of funny because I have lived here most of my life until just generally in the area and, and mostly in Momo. But just a few months ago, I got that job at Duffel and moved to London. And that was two weeks before lockdown. So right in the middle of the pandemic is where I moved to London. So what uh, I ended up actually going back to Sweden. I still have my apartment. So I'm, right now, I am actually back in Sweden. Awkward situation. Okay. So you're a, kind of a London resident, but you're just hibernating in Sweden until, until the pandemic calms down. Pretty much. Okay. So you have like a 6,000 pound a month apartment that's just waiting for you there? It's just awful. Okay. Sorry. Sorry to rub it in. <laughs> so you do. Okay. Yeah, well, that's unfortunate timing, but it sounds like Sweden is a safe place to to be hanging out for the time being. So, all right. So you you were born in Malmo, and then you moved to London recently, but it doesn't sound like you've spent a whole lot of time there yet. Let's move on to question number two. So, have you had any careers before programming? Honestly, not really. I um, study Japanese before I switched to software development. I'm really into languages. I, I, I just love languages, all the quirks and, and details of them and the cultural differences too that come with languages. I guess it does translate into programming a little bit. We do have languages in programming too and there's like there's a lot of cultural differences and I do enjoy the part of programming languages where some of them have just incredibly different ways solving problems or communicating. So yeah, I guess it, that, that did translate into there. Okay. But Were you studying Japanese like with the interest of moving to Japan or doing something with that or you just found it really interesting and decided to, decided to study it? I guess I didn't really have a clear plan. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, I, I uh, probably, I mean, I saw being an interpreter of some sort as an option, but really it was just the love of languages that drove me. I did, I, I got this uh, opportunity to study for a bit at a Japanese university too, which was amazing. Oh, okay. Was it a university actually in Japan or was it a Japanese university in Europe? No, in Japan. Oh, okay. What part of Japan? In Gifu. Gifu, like okay. In the middle of somewhere. It's like on the, out on the countryside. Okay. But it's on the island of Honshu? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that's very, very cool. So have, did you study like both the written language as well as the spoken language? Yes. And to be perfectly honest, I do a lot better with the spoken language than the written one. Okay. I feel like Japanese is not, it can seem difficult, but it's really not that bad when it comes to the spoken part. It's when you introduce the written part where it really gets complicated. Okay. I'm like, only I have a cursory familiarity with the written language, but there's like the formal style of kanji, which I think is, is like closer to China, like written Chinese, which is pretty complicated. But I feel like normal communication, a lot of is done in hiragana, which is, it seems like it lends itself easier to, as easier to translate from the spoken word into hiragana, just because it's more like syllable based, right? I mean, I would say yes and no. The downside to hiragana is that it's very ambiguous. With the kanji, you can very clearly tell what word has been written. With hiragana, it could be read many different ways, and it could be different words. Oh, wow. Okay. Very interesting. So, and I guess as an aside to this is like, you're not, well, in Sweden, I, I assume the native language is Swedish, right? So, yeah. like to get into programming if you're Swedish, you first have to learn English because almost every programming language is written in English, right? Although I, okay. went, I, did, I did for a while have a, a programming teacher who tried to teach us programming in Swedish. I mean, that seems like it might be an easier first step rather than to learn English and learn a programming language at the same time. Yeah, honestly, I didn't really come into programming very early. So by the time that I was actually at the point where I wanted to learn programming, I, I was I'm like 23 or something. I, I spoke English by then. Oh, okay. Cool. Makes sense. So if you, I know this is a hard question to answer, but if you couldn't be a programmer any, anymore, what do you think you would end up being? Yeah, this, this is just a, a really, really tough question. And I'm not really sure how to answer that because programming is my passion. It is the one thing that I've really, really yeah, that I'm really, really passionate about, that I really uh, work hard at, and that I enjoy just coming back to every day. So it's hard to give like any real alternatives, but if there was something, I guess it would be something within languages, human languages. Then. Well, cool. Well, let's hope it doesn't come down to that. Let's hope you can continue to program for as long as you want to, at least. All right. Question number three. What's the genre of the last song or the last album that you listened to? Okay. Yeah. So. I really, I listen to just about anything, all kinds of music. I listen to rock music, electronics, and a lot of alternative stuff, indie. And I honestly, I always have music on. If I'm not having a conversation, I'm not in a meeting, or I'm not watching something, I always have music on. So it's really hard to, to give an answer to that question, because it, it could just be anything. Well, uh, well, today, you listen to some music before this, I assume. So what, what is like the last yeah. thing from your Spotify or 
I assume you're using Spotify since it's Swedish. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have to be. There's some solidarity there. No, the last thing was probably some kind of like alternative hip hop electronic kind of thing. Okay. I'm not super familiar with the genre of that. <laughs> Can you like, what's the name of an artist if somebody wanted to look this up? So this uh, the artist I listened to is Kayfway, American American artist. Really okay. Good. Okay. But yeah, I just um, I also use music as sort of a way to change mindset. Is that the right word? No, like to just get into the right mood for something. So if, as an example, if I'm working on like a really hard bug or just a computer problem or just, you know, something's not doing what I want it to do, I'll put on music that's appropriate. So let's say Rage Against the Machine. Okay, cool. So you're Swedish. So I assume you love heavy metal music, right? <laughs> is this is true I've, I've or had not? a heavy metal fate. Okay, all right. You guys are blessed with so many awesome uh, heavy metal artists in Sweden. It'd be a shame. Shame if you sure. didn't appreciate it. But I guess you, I guess it's not for everybody. And as a little bit of trivia, I believe Malmo is where the cardigans kind of started out. Or are they, they moved to Malmo like right when they were started recording their first few albums, if I'm not mistaken. Can you verify this? I can, but it sounds like it could be true. Okay. Well, if you if you know who the Cardigans are, yeah. then they were based out of Malmo for like most of their recording career, I guess. All right. Let's move on. So is there a movie that you're going to watch every time you come across it on TV? That's a really good question. Yeah. The Matrix is... Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely watch The Matrix anytime. It was just so influential when I first saw it and still so very, very influential. I, I, and I, I just can't believe just the other day I looked, had to look it up because I, I, I didn't really believe it. It came out in 1999. That's just incredible to me. It feels like it was yesterday. Really? Okay. Cool. I'll have to admit, I've never actually seen the matrix. You've so. never seen the matrix. No, it, it came out when I was in college and I was just like super, super overwhelmed with my coursework and just, I just never came back around to it. So the ship sailed and then the next thing you know, there's two and three and I figured, okay, well, I missed the boat on that one. Yeah, um, I mean, they're, they are recording the, a new one. I remember last time I was in San Francisco, they, they were still like, they were like shutting down parts of the city just to record this movie. So you have a reason to watch them now. Okay. Well, maybe if it's streaming or something, I can turn it on one day in the background. I, I know very little about it. So I know that it's very popular, but unfortunately, just I've just never seen it. So, all right. Well, and finally, last question is, what project are you most excited about working on next? So I have some, I have ideas. I just haven't found something that, I get, that I've gotten really obsessive about lately. And obviously, I just got that new job. So I've been focusing on, you know, getting into the code base, getting to know everyone, finding my place in the organization. And I get to do a lot of exciting things. So I'm definitely not complaining about that. But I, we work together on the Hexis project. And it's something that I really want to come back to and build on. I think that there are so many op- or, or opportunities to improve it and also to just integrate it with other systems. One thing that came up lately or uh, recently was integrating it with the Pendabot. 
where because the Pendabot is this, this uh, useful tool that just opens PRs for you, and it works for Elixir projects. So you, you, whenever it sees a new dependency version, it'll open a PR for you, and it just change it just updates the version and runs. If you're using if you have some kind of automated CI setup and it's, it opens a PR for you, it will run the CI, everything. You just click the merge button and you're done, which is really convenient. And they are nice enough when possible to link to the commit history so you can see the changes that went into the new dependency. But obviously, those are the changes that are on GitHub, not necessarily the changes that are in the code base. Most of the time, those are probably the same. But it would be really cool to get hexdiff, a hexdiff URL in there so you so it would really do everything for you. All you have to do is click that link, look through the code, look fine, merge it. Yeah, that would be that would be really cool to do that. So hopefully you have some time to work on that or open up an issue and maybe one of one of our listeners won't mind getting that going. So like you said, we have a really hard time communicating that what is on git is not necessarily what is on hex and you can assume that most times it is, but if you're a malicious actor, that's a great way to get people to download a malicious package. Is, is not to update yeah. the Git, but to update the the hex package. So Absolutely. I think Git diff is a, or a, hex diff is a great tool for this. So everybody should be using it. Yeah, the more people we get into the system, the more people we get looking at the actual code in the registry the less likely it is that a malicious package will be around for a long time. Definitely. Okay, well, thanks for joining me today, Johanna. It was great talking to you and getting to know you better. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for tuning in for this special mini episode of Elixir Wizards featuring our new segment, Pattern Matching with Todd, hosted by Todd Resedek. Elixir Wizards is a smart logic podcast here at Smart Logic. We're always looking to take on new projects, building web apps in Elixir, Rails, and React infrastructure projects using Kubernetes and mobile apps using React Native. We'd love to hear from you if you have a project we could help you with. Don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Join us again next time for more pattern matching and more conversations on system and application architecture as we continue season four of Elixir Wizards.